the metaphor we use is your mind is like the weather. So you're hearing audio feedback. And when your mind begins to wander, you hear the sound of the weather get stronger. And as you come to focus quiet attention, you come into that meditation zone, you, the sound quiets. So you're having this really beautiful experience of hearing your own mind, hearing when you're off course, when you're wandering, and being reinforced when you're back on track and really focused. Your inner voice has been drowned out by the noise around you, but you've always had a deep desire to make a difference. And now you're ready to step into your greatness and develop the identity you need to build towards your ultimate goal. Welcome to the Mindset Horizon Podcast, making the world a better place by unleashing human potential. We'll help you create your own reality by increasing your self-awareness, cultivating an unstoppable mindset, and finally finding the passion, purpose, and true self so that you can live the life you are always destined to live. Now, welcome your host, a lifelong learner and growth mindset savant, a former architect turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Tibor Notch. What is up, Mindset Nation? Welcome back to the Mindset Horizon podcast. I'm immensely grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And if you feel like you're getting value out of these conversations, I would highly encourage you to join the Mindset Nation Facebook group, a global community of Mindset Horizon, where I'm there every single day to support you, to answer your questions, either if it's connected to the podcast episode topics, or if it's connected to your goals and aspirations in life and business, I am there to support you for free every single day. On top of all that, I go live every Thursday for at least 30 minutes so that we can get to know each other even more. I can answer your questions or teach you more about mindset, entrepreneurship, content marketing, branding, or podcasting. You can join the Mindset Nation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindsetnation. Once again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash MindsetNation or simply go to our website MindsetHorizon.com and in the main menu on the top of the site, you will find a button that says Mindset Nation, and there you can join the global community of like-minded listeners. I'm super excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group. And now let me introduce today's guest. So today I'm joined by none other than Ariel Garten, who is the founder of Interaction makers of Muse, the brain-sensing headband. Muse is the award-winning headband that makes meditation easier. During guided exercises, Muse senses your brain activity and sends that information to your phone or tablet, giving you real-time audio feedback to help take the guesswork out of meditation. Ariel studied neuroscience at the University of Toronto and worked in labs at Toronto Cranbell Neuroscience Center, researching Parkinson's disease and hippocampal neurogenesis. No mere science nerd, Ariel is a fashion designer whose clothing opened Toronto Fashion Week in 2003 and has had her work displayed at the Art Gallery of Ontario. Ariel's uncommon combination of science and art is integral to the design of Muse and to Interaction's unique approach to brain-sensing technology. Ariel was also a therapist in private practice. Having worked with BCI technology since 2003 in the lab of Dr. Steve Mann, Aria recognized the opportunity to commercialize technology that would fundamentally disrupt multiple markets. She co-founded Interaction to this end in 2009. Interaction debuted with the creation of Bright Ideas, Ontario's feature showcase at the 2010 Winter Olympics, 
where visitors in Vancouver got to control the lights on the CN Tower, Niagara Falls and the Canadian Parliament buildings with their minds from across the country. Ariel and her team are merging technology, neuroscience, art and design. Ariel and Muse, the brain-sensing headband, is regularly lauded in global media, CNN, Forbes, Popular Science, CNBC, VentureBeat, TechCrunch, Wall Street Journal Tech, and more for creating what Huffington Post calls the beautiful headband that will make you smarter. As well as her full-time position at Muse, Aria keynotes around the world on technology, mindfulness, and entrepreneurship, and supports and advises a variety of startups. She's also the host of the super amazing podcast, The Untangle Podcast, where they talk about meditation and share stories of how mindfulness can change people's lives. At the beginning of today's episode, we talk about Ariel's personal story and journey with meditation and muse. We talk about the definition of meditation, mindfulness meditation, and focused attention meditation. In the middle of the episode, we dive deeper into the neuroscience of meditation and how it can help you downregulate your amygdala, aka downregulate your brain's fear response and become fearless in life and business. Closer to the end of the episode, Ariel explains how meditation can help you boost creativity. If you want to find out more about today's guest, then check out the free resources, book recommendations, and detailed show notes. Simply head over to our website, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash podcast. You can also use the search bar on our website where you can simply type in Ariel Garten to find the episode's show notes page. And so Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's welcome today's guest. Hi, Ariel, and welcome to the Mindset Horizon podcast. Hello, Tibor. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I am super excited, pumped, and honored uh, to have you on the show. And so you're a neuroscientist, artist, psychotherapist, and entrepreneur, and the co-founder of Interaxon, the makers of Muse, an award-winning brain-sensing headband that makes meditation easier. And today we are going to have a, a deep dive into meditation, mindfulness, and neuroscience. I'm super excited, one of my favorite topics. But I wanted to start with your story. Uh, what is your story with meditation, first of all? And also with uh, interaction and muse, like how was this story unfolding for you? So I was always fascinated by the brain and how it creates our experience of life. And at this point in my life, I'm really fascinated by the thoughts that we have in our head and the way that our brains generate these thoughts that we have and how they influence our experience of life and finding tools and techniques to intervene in that process and change the way our brain works, the way, the kinds of thoughts that it gives us, and then mm -hmm. how we experience our life as a result of them. Um, I started working in the lab of Dr. Steve Mann in the early 2000s, and he had an early brain computer interface system. So you could take an electrode on the back, uh, put it onto your head, and by shifting your brain state, we could actually use your brain activity to generate sound in the room. And as you focused or relaxed, it would change the sounds. From there, I stood back and recognized that we could make something meaningful out of this, that we could take it and create something that was going to impact the world. And so I got together with my co-founders, Chris Amini and Trevor Coleman, and the three of us set about to take this technology and apply it in some meaningful way. 
And what we recognized was that the best thing we could probably do with it was use it to help people meditate. Mm -hmm. Now, this might seem kind of unlikely, but we really thought about what are the ways that the tools and techniques that we have that actually make people's lives better and make the world a better place. And meditation truly is one of those. You know, when you engage in meditation practice, you're able to change the quality of your experience of life. You change the way you interact with people. You change the way that uh, society ends up kind of coalescing when you have a group of people who are interacting in emotionally intelligent, open, compassionate ways. Mm. And we recognize that the process of meditation, as powerful as it is, is really hard to do. It's weird. You're, you're sitting there. You don't really know what's going on in your head. And there's no you know little guru inside your head telling you that you're doing it right. Yeah. But with the technology we are working on, we realized that we could actually make a process like that tangible and, and meaningful, that we could actually show you what was going on inside your mind and therefore make the process of meditating easier. Wow. That sounds super exciting. Yeah, a lot of people can be just, you know, confused when it comes to meditation, like they don't really know how to do it properly. So when I started out with meditation, it was about three years ago and I used, so Mind Valley had this six-phase meditation. We are going to dive deeper into meditation because I just want to, you know, clarify this topic a little bit today uh, because there are so many um, types of meditations out there. Um, but I wanted to get back to your story. So why meditation was important to you or why particularly meditation and not something else? Meditation was important because I, at the time, was actually a practicing psychotherapist. I don't practice mm -hmm. any longer. And I was wow. trying to teach my patients meditation and I myself sucked at doing it. So, you know, I was somebody with a lot of ideas and the idea of making my brain stand still as I perceived it, or, you know, my thoughts slow down was actually yeah. unappealing to me. And not only was it unappealing, it was really hard. I would sit down and I'd try to meditate. My brain would bounce all over the place and it would lead me to feel like I wasn't good at it. And it really is unpleasant to be not good at something. And so you stop doing yeah. it, which is entirely the opposite point of meditation, which is to make you comfortable with, you know, with adversity and make you comfortable with what is uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I was trying to, I would teach my patients to meditate, you know, teach them in the way that I was taught to teach someone. And uh, they too would go home and have a really hard time with it. And so, although I knew all of the extraordinary benefits of it, both, you know, psychotherapeutically and in the science literature, it was something that was really tangibly inaccessible for me. Wow, that's super exciting. And I wanted to ask you about the products also, like what are some of the available products for the listener just to to know a little bit more about Muse and what are some of the you know most important products and how they work. Sure. So uh, Muse, what it is, it's a brain sensing headband that helps you meditate. It's kind of like a little Fitbit, but you wear it on your forehead. There's a sensor that tracks your brain activity and it gives you real-time feedback to know what's going on in your mind during your meditation practice. And the metaphor we use is your mind is like the weather. So you're hearing audio feedback, and when your mind begins to wander, you hear the sound of the weather get stronger. And as you come to focus quiet attention, you come into that meditation zone, you, the sound quiets. So you're having this really beautiful experience of hearing your own mind, hearing when you're off course, when you're wandering, and being reinforced when you're back on track and really focused. And so it gives you this lovely real-time experience that guides you and shows you what to do during your meditation. And then after the fact, you get data. 
you get charts and graphs and scores and things that actually let you track your progress and, you know, feel your improvement even before you might feel it in the real life. You can see it on the graph. Like, look, I'm getting better at this. This is working. I know what to do. Mm. And then we also have sensors, not just for the brain, but for the heart, the breath and the body. So we actually work with your mind and your body to teach you about your heart rate and let you understand when it's speeding up and slowing down. We teach you different breathing exercises that you can use to calm your body. Um, we help you find stillness. And then we have a massive library of hundreds of guided meditations from top teachers from all over the world. And they're totally amazing. We basically say, if you have a problem in your life, we have a meditation for that. You know, you wake up feeling grumpy in the morning. We have meditations for morning joy, meditations for sleep, stress, anxiety, performance, workplace. Um, And at the end of them, if you do them with the headband, you also get data and you get to see Mm. what's going on in your heart, your breath and your body during your meditation. That's super exciting. The first uh, time when I heard about meditation, you know, I wasn't sure uh, what meditation was. And later on, I got excited about the topic because I realized that this is very much connected to our brain and how we can develop our brain and um, connected to neuroplasticity. So those topics were uh, much more interesting to me at that time and also the growth mindset principle. So that's how I got interested in meditation. And I was just wondering Uh, When it comes to the definition, let's say, of meditation, like how would you define it? And what are some of the most important benefits that we can talk about today? Also, maybe backed up by science, because you're coming from this amazing place of of neuroscience. So we we have to go deeper, right? (laughs) Happy to dive all the way in. Um, so starting at the very beginning, uh, my definition of meditation is a practice or a training that leads to healthy and positive mind states. So it's not this, you know, weird woo woo thing. It's just a practice or a training that's going to lead to a healthier, positive brain and mind. Mm, Um, there's some common forms of meditation that you might've heard of like, uh, Zen meditation, walking meditation, focused attention. They all have the same, the same core. Um, mm-hmm. we can use what we use is a focused attention meditation and the focused attention meditation. You put your attention on your breath as your mind wanders away from your breath. You catch your wandering mind. And instead of following your wandering thoughts, you say, Nope, I'm going to come back to my breath. So what you're doing is you're not following the thoughts that you normally have. And instead choosing where to put your attention and keeping it in a neutral place. So this incredibly mm-hmm. simple exercise actually has really significant impact because most of us go through our lives just with thinking the thoughts that are in our head and we assume that they're supposed to be there. And so we end up, yeah, you you really think you shouldn't just have the thoughts in your head. And so (laughs) a whole lot of thoughts that are uh, negative, repetitive, stressful, and and frankly, not particularly useful. And Mm. When you do the simple activity of noticing that your mind has wandered and then choosing instead of just having the normal thought to say, nope, I'm not going to have that thought right now. I'm going to do something else. You fundamentally switch the relationship with your own thoughts. And all of a sudden you have a choice about the contents of your own mind. And when you can do this, it's unbelievably powerful because you can then let go of your distractions rather than like, oh, I should check Facebook now. Let me follow to Facebook. Actually, no, I'm going to come back to what I'm doing. Oh, 
thinking about food. Let's just watch mm. the fridge. Nope, I'm going to come back to what I'm doing. Yeah, so you mentioned this choice. And what came to my mind was focus and productivity. Because uh, during the day, I sometimes realize that, you know, my my mind wanders. Like I'm working on something and uh, something pops into my head. And then, you know, I want to check that out. Maybe something, um, Facebook or a message or something. So the focus, focused attention meditation uh, is it something that can help us with mindfulness and becoming more aware and focused? So is it something that can helpful for that, right? Absolutely. So mindfulness is the skill that is built when you do your meditation practice. So mindfulness is the moment-to-moment awareness of your thoughts, feelings, sensations, environment. And when we do the practice of focused attention meditation, we are building our mindfulness. And mindfulness has a a few really interesting components to it. Mm. One, in mindfulness, you are present, you are here in the moment. So when you're in the moment, you're not thinking about other stuff, your mind is not wandering. And so the life that you are in here and now feels much better. It feels brighter. You're present to the world around you. You're experiencing it. You're you're there. It feels really good. It also has fantastic scientific um, implications for your depression, for example. So in this great study done by Harvard University, they showed that our minds are wandering uh, 46.9% of the time. So 46.9% of the time thinking about, yeah, our past or our future, not what we're doing at this moment. That's my case. (laughs) (laughs) Well, unfortunately from this data, what they also ascertained was that when your mind is wandering, you have a greater propensity to be unhappy. Mm. And so they looked at at people's moods when their mind was wandering versus when they were not wandering in the present. And they correlated mind wandering to uh, greater degrees of unhappiness and depression. And they concluded that it doesn't actually matter what the activity you're doing is. It is whether you are paying attention to it in the present moment that gives you a sense of satisfaction from it and a sense of happiness. Well, so I have to confess that um, mindfulness meditation or focused attention meditation, we can, we can say both, right? So this is something that I haven't practiced. So what I did was to some extent, so I had a meditation practice, but I used creative visualization while meditating. So that's another practice that was easier for me to come up with images and, and visions in my mind, instead of just focusing on my breath or something else uh, during meditation. And the reason why I did that was I got really excited about the fact that you can, you know, rewire your brain uh, with meditation based on neuroplasticity. And Mm -hmm. also you can, redefine yourself your identity based on a future vision let's say so so yeah there was one book i read by dr joe dispenza the Mm -hmm. breaking the habit of being yourself so it's an amazing book yeah so i got really fascinated uh with this you know you can become a new person so for example you mentioned thoughts right so we are not our thoughts um there's also you know, different voices in our heads connected to fear, connected to the inner critic. And uh, like my question was, how can we overcome fear? How can we overcome limiting beliefs? How can we overcome our insecurities in the present moment and become something, somebody else maybe? And uh, that's, that's why meditation connected to the brain is so interesting to me. And so 
I wanted to ask you about this, right? Because <laughs> uh, so what happens uh, with the brain during meditation, and maybe we could talk a little bit about neuroplasticity as well. Sure, there's a lot of fun topics in there. So yeah. the during meditation, there's a number of different changes that happen to the brain. So you have mm -hmm. activity in your brain during meditation, and that leads to real structural changes. When you look at this, one of the dominant networks in meditation, what you're looking at is uh, the default mode network. And the default mode network is the relationship between your prefrontal cortex and your posterior cingulate cortex. So the front of the brain and sort of the middle of the brain. And that's the part of your brain that kind of gives you your inner dialogue. So when you let somebody just sit at rest and tell them to do nothing, you're still going to see activity in that part of your brain. And that's the part of your brain that is giving you the running commentary on the world in you. What is up, Mindset Nation? I hope you guys are enjoying today's episode. And we're going to get back to this conversation very soon after thanking to our sponsors. I'm immensely grateful for each and every one of you who tuned into this podcast today, the Mindset Horizon podcast. And if you feel like you're getting value out of these conversations and want to learn more about mindset, entrepreneurship, or podcasting, or simply you want to hang out with other like-minded listeners, I would highly encourage you to join the Mindset Nation Facebook group, a global community of Mindset Horizon, where I'm there every single day to answer your questions, either if it's connected to the podcast episode topics, or if it's connected to your goals and aspirations in life and business, I am there to support you for free every single day. On top of all that, I go live every Thursday for at least 30 minutes so that we can get to know each other even more. I can answer your questions or teach you more about mindset, entrepreneurship, content marketing, branding, or podcasting. You can join the Mindset Nation community at mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindsetnation. Once again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash mindsetnation, or simply go to our website, mindsethorizon.com, and in the main menu on the top of the site, you will find a button that says Mindset Nation, and there you can join the global community of like-minded listeners. I'm super excited to welcome you and connect with you in the Facebook group, and until then, be limitless, my friend. As a mission and impact-driven entrepreneur, thought leader, visionary, and changemaker, have you ever thought of increasing your online visibility, building credibility, and scaling your impact and business by starting your own podcast? If you've answered this question with hell yeah, now this is your chance. According to Edison Research in the US, podcasting is one of the fastest growing medium. So if you're ready to start your own podcast, build credibility and scale your impact and business, I have good news for you. I provide one-on-one -on -one mentoring and group coaching programs where I teach how to start your own epic podcast from scratch, build credibility and scale your online presence and business. You can read more about these services at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash podcast mentoring. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash podcast mentoring. On top of all that, I provide a 30-minute free discovery call where we can see if podcasting is something that can help you scale your brand and business. You can book a free discovery call with me at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash free call. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash free call. Or simply shoot me an email at Tibor at MindsetHorizon.com. That's T-I-B-O-R, Tibor at MindsetHorizon.com. So Mindset Nation, without any further ado, let's get back to today's Mindset Transforming Conversation.
And that running commentary on the world in you can be very helpful when it's positive and supportive and, you know, relevant to what's going on. That running commentary can be deleterious if it's giving you negative messages about yourself, if it's your inner critic running away, if it's, um, you know, undermining your experience of living in that moment. And so what meditation allows you to do is actually downregulate the activity of the default mode network downregulate that inner voice that we have that we all just assume is supposed to be talking to us and then introduce more choice and more possibility into the mix. So if you're sitting there in your daily life, yeah, if you're sitting there in your daily life and you don't have something that's telling you that, you know, this sucks or you suck or, you know, whatever the flavor of the moment is, um, all of a sudden the possibility of what you can do and can become opens up dramatically. Wow, I love the word possibility. So I usually talk about the mindset of possibility. And, you know, this podcast, Mindset Horizon, is is all about expanding people's horizons. So I always ask myself, what are some of the ways we can overcome the inner critic, the fear? So I very much focus on uh, impact-driven entrepreneurs because I know that they might be exposed to more, you know, um, maybe challenges uh, during the journey. And that's why I focus on them. But my main question is like, how can we overcome these things and, you know, empower, empower people? So you mentioned, for example, down regulating, did you say amygdala? No, I don't think so. I, I said the default mode network, but we can talk about the amygdala next. That's a good one to talk about. Yeah, because that's the the fight or flight response. And for example, when it comes to fear, because fear is something I believe that holds a lot of people back from either, you know, executing on their dreams or starting their business. They might want to create something, but they but they have huge fears. I completely agree. Fear tremendously holds us back from so many things that we could easily do in life if we simply didn't have that fear response. So diving into the yeah. brain, what happens is your amygdala, it's a little organ again in the middle of your head. Its responsibility is scanning the horizon for danger. So it is the thing that when it perceives something as dangerous, enables your fight or flight response and gives you the physiological sensation of fear, the feeling of fear, and then the thoughts that are associated with fear. So in you know the simplest example, you're sitting in traffic and it's not moving. And so your amygdala notices this and it says, oh, this is dangerous. You might be late. And then it starts giving you all of the reasons why it's dangerous. Your boss might be mad at you. You're going to, you know, people are going to think this about you. You'll miss this meeting. You'll blah, 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 blah. And then it gives you the sensation in your body of like shakiness and mild anxiety. Yeah. And then your, your mind reads that shakiness and says, oh, there must be something wrong. And so it gives you more thoughts, more scary thoughts, which give you more shakiness in your body and it ramps and it ramps. And you're in the loop. <laughs> and you're in the loop. In meditation, what we're doing is actually down-regulating the activity of our amygdala. So there's two amazing structures in your brain. One is the prefrontal cortex, which we touched on before. And that's kind of like the parent in your brain. That is the part of your brain that's able to plan, organize, look at the world, see things sanely, and make great decisions. Uh, It's also what controls your attention and your inhibitions, the actions you don't do. And then there's the amygdala, which is kind of like a three-year-old who's often having a temper tantrum and scared at shadows in the wall and does not have a lot of reasoning for itself, if any. And in meditation, what we're doing is we are strengthening our prefrontal cortex. 
We're strengthening our attention. We're strengthening our ability to let go of stuff that doesn't matter, to move away from distractors, to stay focused, to be organized in our thoughts and to make great decisions. And in a long-term meditation practice, what you actually see is that the prefrontal cortex is able to regulate the amygdala. The prefrontal cortex is able to look around at the environment, make a decision, and then tell the amygdala, shh, it's okay, calm down, everything's fine, don't worry about it. So in people with a shorter meditation practice, you, in a scanner, may see a decrease in the activity of the amygdala because the prefrontal cortex is now able to regulate it more effectively and calm it down. And in long-term meditators, you can actually even see a decrease in the size of the amygdala. So you really see a decrease in the impact that this fear-generating part of your brain has in your life. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So (laughs) I should meditate more maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's the thing. When you hear about how amazing it is, you're like, why don't I meditate all the time? And then you're like, oh, because meditation is kind of weird and hard to do. And that's why we made news. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So I should meditate all day long. So now people should understand this is not something woo-woo. This is this is really, really should be one of the most important exercises during the day, I guess. So, you know, I feel different when I meditate. I, I do it in the morning normally, part of my morning routine. I uh, I feel different when I do meditate and when I, when I miss. So um, what I got really interested in also besides this, or one question to this, like we talked about different types of meditation, for example, mindfulness meditation. So when we talk about, you know, decreasing the size of the amygdala, is it connected to mindfulness meditation or any kind of meditation can help decrease the size of the amygdala? So the specific study that I was referencing, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. where they looked at the change in the size of the amygdala, there are studies that have used MBSR, which is mindfulness-based stress reduction, um, studies mm-hmm. that have used a uh, shamatha practice, which is the focused attention meditation that I was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. But there are also other practices that would decrease the size of the amygdala, like the practice that you are doing a visualization, where you're probably imagining yourself in the future in safe environments, and you are now training your amygdala to know that this thing that could have been scary, like seeing yourself up on stage, is That's my exact example. Awesome. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. And so you're training your amygdala to know that this is safe. This is okay. And your Mm -hmm. prefrontal cortex, the planning area of your brain is, you know, going out there and saying, we're going to do this in the future. And we are applying our will to know that this is going to be okay for us. And you're overlaying uh, experiences of safety on top of what the amygdala thought was a scary experience. And in doing so, retraining the amygdala. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like uh, making something familiar for the brain. This this was my understanding of this. Like I want to have these visions and images so that it, it 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 is something like a you know, something familiar to me already. So I imagine myself many times speaking on stage in front of a huge audience. Like this is one of my images that I just, you know, come up with during meditation like a memory already. Mhm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, like, you know, it's it's in my mind. <laughs> and um, yeah, there, there are so many things I could dive into. For example, I was thinking about creativity. So when we, for example, meditate, is it true that we can, you know, access different parts of the brain and um, be more creative, also connected to the topic flow, maybe, like boosting creativity during meditation? 
sometimes meditation can feel like flow and there are qualities that are the same between both of those mm-hmm. states. Mm-hmm. Um, in meditation, what we're doing is, you know, quieting the mind and in doing so moving away all of the, the clutter, the garbage. And so there's uh, lots of med- meditation that its aim is to provide insight where you sit there and you're able to observe the space of your own mind and see what arises and give the opportunity for new insightful and productive and fascinating ideas to arise as opposed to the, you know, common dross that you're going over and over and over in your brain, like the grocery list or the things you did wrong yesterday or whatever it is that we just constantly replay meaninglessly. So this intentional time where we shift the way that we are thinking provides a fertile bed for new kinds of ideas to arise. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I was I was just wondering about your practice. So what are what are some of the meditation types that you do and and why? Cuz uh, as I mentioned I was mainly doing this visualization. I'm not sure like the way I did it was mainly based on Dr. Joe Dispenza's mm-hmm. uh book. And uh, maybe I should practice a little bit more mindfulness meditation as well. Um, and I'm curious what you what you practice. So it's useful to practice various different forms of meditation. Um, starting a meditation practice can be hard because you don't really know what to do. Um, I really, I practiced a number of forms of meditation before Muse, but I didn't really get it. Like I didn't have the patience to do it. And it was through using Muse and the focused attention practice that I kind of went like, oh, okay, this is meditation. And I was able to get my brain on board with doing the focused attention practice, with feeling the benefits of it, with, you know, watching my distractions decrease and and feeling better. And then from there, it was kind of like the whole world of meditation opened up to me. And so I do quite a number of different practices. Um, Muse has a variety of different practices that you can do with it. So you have the focused attention Mm. meditation, you have uh, a heart-based meditation where you're focusing on your heart and that increases your interoception, which is your ability to sensitively understand how your body is working. We have breath meditations, which teach you to change your breathing patterns to ones that are able to make your body more relaxed and move you into your parasympathetic nervous system. Um, Mm. we have, but in the guided content, we have body scans where you're moving your mind. It's like a focused attention meditation, but you're doing Mm -hmm. it specifically with different areas of your body. And when you you do that, some interesting things happen. So in a body scan, you might focus on your toes and then your ankles and then your calves. And as you do that, you are building your ability to listen to your own body you're building your ability to relax your body and you can choose to relax when you get to a point or not, but it can be very releasing. And you're also building your ability to be comfortable with what is. So, you know, a lot of us have a pain in our sides and we're like, oh my God, it's a pain. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> and it is the, the rumination on that pain that is much worse than the actual pain itself. And so when you do a body scan, what you're learning to do is to accept what is showing up for you in the moment and to be comfortable being there with it. And that builds another concept in meditation called equanimity, the ability to be okay with what is. So that's one kind of practice we do. Then there are heart-based or compassion practices, which you can also find in these guided. And there you're focusing on love in various forms and it might be self-love. So, you know, I will do meditations where I feel my own sense of love in my heart and I allow that feeling to move throughout my body 
and I will feel my sense of like love and worth and safety. There are meditations where you're feeling love for others and you're, you know, dedicating your meditation to the healing of the world. So, you know, meditation is so many different things that it's, you know, amazing to have tools that can take you in all of these different directions and, and build and flex all of, all of the capabilities that we have as humans. Wow. That's so great to hear. Thank you so much for sharing those practices. And uh, last question to meditation is how often do you recommend people meditate? So that's a question I commonly get. And the right amount of time yeah. to meditate is the amount of time you'll do it for. <laughs> so, you know, if you sit down and you're like, I'm going to do a 20 minute meditation today. And at minute three, you're like, this sucks. Then meditate, like the habit won't happen. The important thing is not how often you do it. Sorry. The important thing is not how long you do it, but that you mm-hmm. do it regularly. Um, there's actually just a study that came out that demonstrated that doing a small amount regularly is far more beneficial than a inconsistent occasional practice. So if you are starting at three minutes, you can do that. And we, we, with means we literally let you start the timer at one minute, if that's all you can take. And then you build your way up from there and a consistent daily 10 minute a day practice, you know, will give you meaningful results. And as you get comfortable, you can move yourself up from there if you wish. Mm. Another important question about timing, um, is when, and one of the really valuable things that we've seen is the ability of meditation to help you sleep better. And yeah. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And so we started to notice that people were um, meditating with Muse right before they were going to bed. And so we actually just came out with this brand new product. that's really beautiful and Mm. it gives you specific guided meditations and a soundscape that's actually built from your own body that's uh designed to help you fall asleep faster yeah yeah that's the muse s right sleep that's muse s it's a soft comfortable muse that you can actually wear while you fall asleep and Mm -hmm. it helps guide you and lull you into sleep in this beautiful and effective way yeah yeah so amazing and and the products has have a beautiful design so i really loved uh how the products uh look like and um Ariel, we are coming to the end of the episode, but we could go, you know, so much deeper. But before I ask my last question, tell the listeners where they can find you online and also more information on on Muse. Sure. So you can find Muse at choosemuse.com. We also have a free collection of meditations specifically for dealing with the pandemic and COVID. And you can find those in the Muse app. Um, use headband app in the app store and you can find me on instagram at ariel's musings and twitter at choosemuse.com awesome and the links are going to be in the show notes and people can find it on our website mindsethorizon.com and my last question is um so what is your mission talk to us about your mission and also your future vision maybe with muse or personal so what is your vision So my mission is really to help people understand that you don't need to be locked into the prison of your own mind, that you can live a different reality than your brain is screaming at you daily. Um, And you can choose your experience of life in, in ways that you may not realize. And, you know, as such, my vision is to teach more people tools and techniques like meditation so that we can live freer and healthier and happier lives so that we can unblock the the limitations that we've set for ourselves just by fear so that we can stop berating ourselves in our own mind for things that aren't aren't worthy of that level of beratement 
and and ultimately so we can be kinder and gentler towards each other when we're not feeling as grumpy every day. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that and unlock our potential. And I love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you and see you next time. My sincere pleasure. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Mindset Horizon podcast. For more information and resources based on today's discussion, be sure to head to our website, MindsetHorizon.com, where you'll also have the ability to join the Mindset Nation community for more insight and empowerment to help you reach your full potential. That's all available exclusively on MindsetHorizon.com.